1: you're listening to Higher Love, the podcast that poses the question, what if we quit falling in love and instead chose to rise in love? I'm your host Jordana Levine, and this is a podcast series about love, yes, but a huge piece of the love puzzle is dating. And I'm not sure if you've noticed, but we've spent most of 2020 knee deep in a pandemic, making dating a little trickier than we'd anticipated. If finding love feels further away than ever, and you're slipping in and out of, oh, I'm fine, and am I going to be single forever? Settle in, get your pen and notebook ready, because this podcast series is going to guide you into finding not just any love, but a higher love, pandemic and all. Welcome to episode nine of Higher Love. As always, a little reminder that if you haven't listened to episodes one to eight of this series, I suggest you go back and start from the beginning. We're getting to the pointy end of this 10-part podcast series, and I've set you up rather adequately for meeting people and perhaps landing a hot date, but then you have to actually go on the date, and that's where things can get a little tricky. So in today's episode, I walk you through the first date. Everything from the pre-date prep to venue decisions, outfit choices, and conversation starters. We'll then look at the second date, which controversially, I actually think is harder than the first. To finish off the episode, we're going to talk about exiting, not the venue, but the relationship. Yes, we'll chat ghosting, but also more classy ways to close the loop when you're just not feeling it. To begin, let's have a look at why first dates are something to be valued. They give you an opportunity to test out your new strength and vibration. It's all very good working on it in the confines of your own home, but to really get the most out of it, you need to take that personal vibration for a test run. It's your opportunity to get to know the person and figure out if you want to spend more time with them. It's one thing chatting to a person on an app but until you meet them in the flesh, you really just don't know. Perhaps you've been chatting to them on the apps but you haven't had a real conversation with them. This is your opportunity to see how they converse and communicate and whether it is in alignment with your communication style. This is your opportunity to see how you feel in their company. And while you might not be able to tick off all the ways you want to feel in a relationship on your first date, you can ask yourself, do I feel safe, curious, and happy? Or do I feel uncomfortable, defeated, and inferior? These early feelings aren't defining. It's still early days, but definitely something to take note of. We'll dive deep into first date advice from both me and the women, but promise me this, You will use your first date to spend less time thinking, will they like me? And more time thinking, do I like them? And is this somebody I want to spend more time with? If you rock up to a date with a strong personal vibration, you won't need to think about impressing them. The right person will be attracted to your vibration. And if they're not, well, they're not the person for you. Simple. Okay, let's kick off with some pre-date prep. First cab off the rank, picking the venue. I personally prefer to be somewhere I've been before, but not somewhere I'm likely to run into people I know. Let's hear from the women about what type of venue they prefer on a first date.
2: Anything familiar feels great. A nice dive bar, favourite restaurant, I think that kind of just puts you at ease, just having that element of familiarity.
3: Yeah, from my minimal experience on actually going out on dates, a casual drinking date is much nicer. When you're locked in for a dinner date, you're kind of locked in for a certain period of time, whereas on a drinking date, you can kind of do one drink and then if you're not feeling it, you can cut it off. It's quite easy to pull the pin, but on dinner, you've got your entree, you've got your main, and maybe you've got dessert too that you're locked into. (laughs) I
0: love like little bars or like a little cosy restaurant with like romantic lighting. Yeah, maybe like a little candlelit bar with like nice cocktails. That would probably be my, yeah, my ideal.
1: I asked the women if they had to choose between choosing a venue they were comfortable in but running the risk of seeing people they know or going somewhere they'd never been and maybe not feeling as comfortable
3: but with no risk of being interrupted while on a first date, which would they choose? It's a tricky one because as much as I haven't lived here for that long, I do have quite a social network. So there is that risk that you'll run into someone and just feel really freaking awkward. I do prefer to go somewhere that I know though because then I have that comfort level of when I get in, I know the seating arrangements. I know where the bathrooms are. I just feel more comfortable from that aspect and all the nervous energy can go into the whole dating aspect. When I'm going to a venue that I don't know at all, I'm nervous because I don't know what the place looks like. Is this the right corner? I don't know where the door is. Do I have to stand here and wait for someone to seat me first? I don't know. And then also, who is the person I'm catching up with for a date? Where are they? Just so much going on. Yeah, yeah. I usually, if it's someone
0: new, I probably wouldn't want to take them anywhere in my local area just because I feel like you get seen by everyone. And that's not ideal. I'll probably see other guys that I was dating. Um, so ideally, like yeah, like a suburb sort of further away from me, probably not like a busy bar or club or anything like that. It's a bit too intense. Yeah, somewhere like a restaurant or quiet bar.
2: I would love to go like to a bar that I've, i frequented. That's, that's familiar to me. That's a, my favorite haunt and my stomping grounds because then that's you sharing a part of yourself. Okay, then you sort it. Now it's
1: time to pick out your first date outfit. If you're not into fashion, stick with me here. I have a few tips to help you put together the outfit that doesn't require owning an LBD or a pair of stilettos. But first,
3: let's hear from the women about their first date outfits. It kind of depends on location. So if you're doing casual drinks at a bar versus dinner, but I like it to be a little bit sexy without going too far because you don't want to put all your cards out on the table straight up, right? So probably jeans with a top with a little bit of boob and a heel because I'm short and I like to wear heels. And you also feel sexier when you're in heels too.
0: I'm always like I'm always telling my friends if I've like met a guy, that week I will buy a cute top to wear with my jeans. Oh, I do recycle, but it'll, I'll always have something planned that I'm excited to wear and I feel good about. Yeah, I wouldn't just throw something on on the night, no. Okay. Planning that outfit for days in advance. Maybe jeans just because they can sort of see your shape. I wouldn't wear – I tend not to wear high-neck things, so I, maybe something a little bit low-cut, to be honest.
2: <laughs> a first-date outfit that feels comfy would be a great pair of jeans. Cute top and maybe a jacket if it gets cold.
1: So it's official. It's all about the jeans and a nice top. Not revolutionary at all, but what I'd like you to consider when putting together a first date outfit is the following Have a few first date outfit options on hand at all times. These are clothes that make you feel comfortable, authentic, and confident, not unlike something you'd wear on a night out with friends. Having a go-to outfit prevents you from slipping into a meltdown minutes before you're meant to be there. And lastly, dress for you, not your date. If you want to exude confidence and sex appeal, by all means go for it, as long as the intention is to make yourself feel sexy. Pre-first date prep goes a lot further than choosing the venue and an ideal outfit. You might like to also consider the following. Set an intention. What do you want to get out of this day? To get to know them? To see if you're well suited? Maybe it's just to have a fun night out. You decide, but set the intention before you go. Remind yourself of your core values. We looked at these in episode two. Check in with your love values. We looked at these in episode five. Tune into the feelings you wish to radiate in a relationship. We looked at this again in episode five. Remind yourself that you're no longer following your old love story. Your new story, which you crafted again in episode five, juicy at that one, means this date is going to be a totally new experience. And then lastly, prepare a story from your day to share. I know this sounds a little contrived, but stick with me here. I've never been on a date where the first 10 minutes of small talk didn't start with, how was your day? My response used to be the same, whether it was true or not. It was good, busy. I guess I thought that made me sound important. These days, I go in with a funny or lighthearted story from my day. It breaks the ice, opens up the conversation, and always seems to put my date at ease. Your story doesn't have to be outrageous. If you don't have one, just say something more than your standard cookie cutter response. Speaking of conversation, I think this is the thing that makes people most nervous before a first date. What if I run out of things to say? What if we have nothing in common? What if I freeze? None of these are likely to happen if you have a few conversation starters up your sleeve. In my new book, Higher Love, I give you several conversation starters to help you continue the flow of communication if you get nervous or aren't suited to awkward pauses. But there's nothing wrong with coming up with a few of your own before heading out the door. Just be aware of a few things. Remember, these are just prompts. Authenticity is what is most important. Prioritize the flow of conversation over hitting all the prompt questions on your list. This means listening to them and asking questions based on their responses. And lastly, ask open questions, ones that require more than a yes or no answer. So we've discussed the pre-date prep and how to engage in conversation. Here is some extra first date advice from me to you. Chill out. (laughs) If you don't like them, you don't have to see them again. OK, do be aware that your date is likely nervous. So be generous. If someone is talking a lot or not at all, it could just be nerves. Also, remember, most people are on their best behavior on a first date. This isn't an encouragement to be suspicious, just something to keep in mind. Never keep your phone on the table. It's just plain old fashioned rude. If you need to check it, excuse yourself and go to the bathroom. Don't be too picky. Honestly, if you don't like the shirt he chose or the way he holds his chopsticks or the drink he ordered, let it go. It's easy to be picky on a first date, but if you're serious about finding a meaningful relationship, his gingham shirt is not a good reason to say no to a second date. As I mentioned before, I dive deep into the first date in my book, Higher Love. If you're keen for a copy, you can order it now via the link in the show notes of this episode or by heading to jordanalevine.com forward slash books. Okay, it's time for the second date. It may have felt like you've jumped over the first hurdle. You've likely built up a rapport with them and it's a bloody relief to be past the small talk. But without the routine questions and the niceties that come with a first date, the second date can leave you both a little exposed. Do you actually have anything in common? Did you both run out of things to talk about on the first date? How will your personal vibration fare on the second encounter? The second date is your opportunity to determine if you have a genuine connection. Let's hear what the women think about date two.
2: I think the second date is good, but there is a bit of pressure to reveal yourself a little bit more, especially if you felt a couple of feels and a couple of connection moments on the first date. I generally love a good first date, but think the second date is one that can be hit and miss.
0: Yes, I went on one last night and it was actually like, oh, I'm really not sure about the guy. Hopefully this gives me more clarity. So, But I've tried to go into them open-minded, yeah. Is the conversation flowing? Am I the one keeping it going? Sometimes I try to get myself just to hold back and not try to fill all the silences because that's not my responsibility Um, because if I did, if I think I was doing that, it's just a sign that it's just not working. So last night I really tried to just chill and he was doing just as much, you know, conversation starting as I was, which was really nice. I asked
1: Courtney if she ever finds herself in a position where they've covered everything on the first date and there's nothing left to discuss when it comes to the second.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And I think I cover myself off by always making sure that that second date is at a pub, watching footy or interacting with something else. So you've got that other thing to talk about if there is no conversation going on between you guys. It gives you a bit of time really, doesn't it, to, to think up the next conversation topic.
1: Phoebe and Beck have some second date flop stories to share.
0: Yes, I have had that before. To be fair, he was, I could have known everyone told me not to date him because he was a bit of a dick, but we had a great first date. It was really fun. We just went for ice cream and a bit of a drive, had like a, the best kiss at the end. It was really nice. Um, and then the next date, he was just trying to get me to go home with him. I ended up just getting him to drive me home because it just went south so quickly. It was awful.
2: Yeah. First date was great. We went and played basketball and it felt it felt like we were connecting and there were lots of interesting things to talk about. And then the second date, he came over and, and we had a nacho cook-off, um, which was a great activity and fun. But the chat was horrible. He talked about his job the entire time and himself the entire time. And like no amount of nachos could turn that around. (laughs) I actually genuinely think he felt the pressure to impress the second time around. Unfortunately, that default to impress was just his job. So for me, that was the point where I was like, thanks, you've been great, but I'm out.
1: I have some second date advice for you. I'm not going to walk you through it step by step like I did for the first date, but I do have a few suggestions to help you get the most out of it. Because remember, the point of dating is to see whether you like them and whether there's somebody you want to spend time with. Plus, the second date gives you another opportunity to see how your personal vibration is affected around them. Okay, let's start with the venue. This time, we're going to opt for a different setting from the first date. And I don't just mean a different bar. I mean, if you had a drink, go to the markets. If you had dinner, schedule a walk. You get it, right? We want to switch up the environment. Set an intention for date two, just as you did for date one. When you can walk into a date clear on why you're there, it gives you more room to relax. Refer back to things you discussed on the first date. This shows you were listening. This is the kind of communication that builds strong relationships. Dive deeper. Small talk is out of the way. Now you can start asking some of the juicier questions. Remember, observation is the key to spotting red flags. Don't dismiss what intuition tells you is a bad trait in a person. Be honest with yourself. If you rave to all your friends about how great the first date was and you realized on date two that you're just not feeling it, that's okay. I cannot tell you how many second dates I've had where I realized that I just wasn't into them. I honestly believe that when we're not tuned into our personal vibration, we try to make stuff fit on the first date. But more often than not, on date two, little cracks begin to show. Again, observe this. If you're not sure, definitely go on a third date or fourth date or fifth until you're certain. But don't force it or change yourself to make the puzzle piece fit. Trust me, the compression of forcing a square peg into a round hole never leads to a happy relationship. Lastly, check in with your post-date feels. This goes for date one too. In fact, I think it's worth doing after every encounter in the initial dating stages. Are you getting closer or further away from the feelings you want to radiate in a relationship? Is your personal vibration still feeling strengthened around this person? I always question whether or not I felt I was able to be my authentic self or if I felt like I was putting on a bit of a front for them or holding back or feeling uncomfortable. We're going to leave the dating advice here because you know what? Dates three, four, five and beyond are much of a muchness and the same advice applies as for dates one and two. We've spent much of this podcast gearing up for a higher love, a love that lifts you up prioritizes how you feel and what you value. And most importantly, a love that strengthens your personal vibration. When it comes to exiting relationships, we want to bring the same level of integrity, a higher exit, if you will. If you've realized you're just not that into them, part of taking action and dating more in real life is that you're going to date and experience more people. And a consequence of that is that you're not going to vibe with all of these people. And that's okay. It's part of the dating process. That's why another crucial part of dating and taking action is knowing when something isn't quite right and then doing something about it. With the social phenomenon of ghosting on the rise, it's so important that we learn how to be good humans, keep our personal vibration intact, and exit any dating exchanges with dignity, class, and respect. Don't be caught doing the digital equivalent of climbing out the bathroom window or feigning an overseas work transfer. But before we discuss the right way, let's chat about the wrong way, ghosting. I asked the women if they'd ever been ghosted before.
0: Yeah, there was some, once there was this guy that I, like, we hadn't hung out all that much, but I thought got the vibe that it was sort of going somewhere. I was really excited about him. I really saw something happening. And then he just sort of disappeared for a while and I thought it's all right. Like I know, I know what he's about. I think he'll be back. You know, something might happen down the track. I wasn't too worried about it. And then I found out he had a new girlfriend and the girlfriend could have been my twin sister. Like she was so similar to me. I was like, come on, like actually stunned me quite a lot.
2: Yes, I've definitely been ghosted. It's 2020. I don't think a single person can say that they haven't been ghosted. Uh, For me, it doesn't matter if they disappear from the chat stages cold turkey. Because you're kind of just talking and you're sussing each other out. And if it wasn't a vibe, it wasn't a vibe. I think if you've had an interaction with someone... And they completely disappear. You're like, did he get COVID or did he ghost me?
3: I've been ghosted, yes, twice. And it's not an enjoyable experience. And I don't know if they know they're doing it. And I don't know if they know the impact it has on someone that they do it to, to be honest. Because it really does leave you wondering what you did or what happened. And yeah. So one of my recent relationships, smaller relationships, I was ghosted and I sent a text, never got a response. I sent another text, still got no response and it's a real ego hit, you know, and then you've, you almost look ridiculous once you message them a few times and you don't get a response. So then you finally give up and go, okay, this is obviously done. But then you awkwardly run into them out socially and they make up excuses and, yeah, the whole thing's just bad. I asked Courtney about whether there was any inkling that a ghosting situation was imminent. No, I mean, with this relationship that I had, it was really passionate and really fast and evolved quite quickly. So it was on. We were catching up quite regularly. So for then... For me to not hear from them for 48 hours it was kind of different and strange and and wasn't what we'd built the last few weeks and months on so yeah to have that full ghosting happen following that intensity was strange it's one thing to be ghosted but have the women ever
0: ghosted someone else Not completely ghosted. I wouldn't just disappear, but I would sort of like cut back a bit and just slowly
3: give them the vibe that I'm not phase out, do the fade. (laughs) No, but I did go on a date the other week and we both haven't reached out to each other, so I don't know who's ghosted who there. Did we both just ghost each other?
2: (laughs) No, absolutely not. That is so cruel. I have never ghosted anyone. I think it's really cowardly. I'm actually brutally honest I've always thought the feedback was a gift and so I've always been really straightforward if something's not a vibe or a match then I'm happy to call it. So what
1: exactly is ghosting? Well according to the Oxford English Dictionary, ghosting is the act of ending a personal relationship with someone by suddenly and without explanation withdrawing from all communication. Ghosting isn't uncommon Perhaps you've even done it yourself, but I must let you know that ghosting has everything to do with the person who ghosts and absolutely nothing to do with the one who is ghosted. Ghosting is essentially a real-life example of our brain's flight, fight, or freeze response. A ghost is a fleer. But rather than fleeing danger to survive, which is the purpose of this response, they flee from confrontation. Uncomfortable conversations, or in some cases, the fear of hurting someone's feelings. In my book, Higher Love, I provide you with three scripts to exit a dating experience that doesn't require you disappearing like a fart in the wind. It's important that you intentionally close the loop on any and all romantic interactions. Since Beck was so against ghosting and has vowed to never ever do such a thing to another person, I wanted to hear how she exits relationships in the different stages. Here's how Beck exits when there's just been some back and forth chatting on the apps.
2: I think that would just be a fade out as opposed to like not feeling your chat by. That's super savage. <laughs> What about when she's been on a first date with them, but she's just not feeling it? Um, Then and there, when they ask you on a second, you might go, hey, I'd love to have a think about it. Or you might say, didn't really catch the vibe. I think you're great, though. (laughs) (laughs) I think you're great, though. Um, And leave it at that. I'll think about it.
1: Savage, but I love it. Okay. What if she's been dating them for a while, but it's just not going anywhere?
2: That is 100% either a phone call or an in-person conversation. Like it is absolutely disrespectful to do it any other way. Um, and it's just being honest, like just saying, Hey, don't really think this is for me. I genuinely believe that there is a lid for every jam jar and this person might be a cork and not a lid. Or it might be a lid that is way too big and doesn't fit your jam jar. So that's how I do it. And I kind of pepper in metaphors because I feel like that softens the blow a little bit.
1: Beck using metaphors? I can't imagine such a thing. At the end of the day, honesty is the best policy when it comes to looking out for your personal vibration and theirs. Also, stand firm on your decision. None of this back and forth messiness. A clean break is best for both parties. I say this as a serial returner. It rarely works out on the second, third or fourth attempt unless major changes have been made in the areas that caused contention. Things usually don't work out for a reason trust that. Check back in with your personal vibration post-exit and move forward with your life. This is where we say goodbye to Beck, Courtney and Phoebe. What an incredible bunch of women and I'm so grateful that they were brave enough to come on a podcast show and bear their heart and soul to a bunch of strangers. I hope you've enjoyed hearing their stories and you were able to identify with parts of all of them. In the final episode of Higher Love, we talk about compatibility. We've all heard the mainstream ideas about what makes you compatible with a partner, and I touched on a few throughout this podcast series, like finding someone who makes you feel strong in your personal vibration and has aligned love value. But I wanted to tackle compatibility in episode 10 by stepping outside the box. So I've called on three new women who are experts in their field. I chat to Jules Ferrari, an astrologist who will look at compatibility from an astrological perspective and before you roll your eyes, know it's so much more than just knowing someone's sun sign. I talked to Emmy Ray, an expert in human design, to talk about emotional compatibility and how self-awareness really is your greatest superpower. And then finally, I chat to my good friend and kinesiologist Zoe Bosco about compatibility within partners when it comes to our own wounds and baggage. It's a juicy episode and I cannot wait to share it with you. If you want to dive deeper into anything I've discussed in this podcast series, make sure you order a copy of my new book, Higher Love, available through the link in the show notes of this episode or via my website, jordanalevine.com forward slash books. As always, if you found value in this episode and you'd like to share it with your friends, please take a screenshot on your phone and share it to your Instagram stories and tag me at Levine or leave a rating or review on your favorite podcast app. Until next episode, I'm Jordana Levine, and you've been listening to Higher Love.